Welcome, everyone, to the Talking Reef Podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome. Please send them to podcast at talkingreef.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.talkingreef.com. Now, here's the show. Hello, this is Sixth Grade coming to you from the Middle East, welcoming you to another episode of Talking Reef Podcast. Talking Reef Rocks! Welcome to the Talking Reef Podcast, the weekly talk show that brings you topics and discussion on marine and reef aquariums. I'm your host, Rob Weatherly. Wait, I'm not Rob, I'm Wes. Anyways... For this episode and possibly the next, I'm going to be here with Rob going through all your questions regarding lighting. And if you have any other questions, make sure that you send them in so we can get them answered on the next show. Okay, enough from you. I'm hosting this show. Okay, sorry, sir. (laughs) Anyways, let's get started with questions. We're going to start with a series of general lighting questions. But the first question, how important is it to base your lighting needs on the height of your tank? Well, I don't know. You're hosting the show. You tell me. No. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So, you know, and that, that that's an important thing to understand when you're when you're going through and doing getting your your tank set up and figuring out your lighting is, you know, how tall is your tank? This is really most important when dealing with metal halide lights. Um, so this question might better be, you know, it might be better in that category. But generally speaking, um, we want to keep an eye on the total height of your tank. If your tank is less than 20 inches high, it really isn't going to make a huge difference. Um, most of your lighting is going to work just pretty much across the board. Uh, but when you get into uh, a tank that is deeper than 20 inches uh, and you're, you're, you're looking to fully light the bottom of it, then you're going to have to go up to some more intense lighting. Uh, so, you know, generally speaking... Uh, again, if we're less than 20 inches, not a huge deal. More than 20 inches, you're going to have to start looking at the higher light, higher wattage light bulbs. Uh, and, and again, this is more specific to, to metal halides than, than anything else. So uh, okay. I, I hope that kind of covers it there. And we'll, I'm sure we will talk about this more when we get into the metal halide questions. Okay. Uh, next question. Mounting ballasts. Do you suggest mounting the ballast on the outside of the hood or the inside of the stand. Okay, now that brings up a couple good points. When you when you have your ballast, most of the ballasts they're commonly not really mounted unless you have uh, one of those small DIY retro kits that you get. Uh, in which case, those usually need to be enclosed in some kind of housing of some type. Now, that aside, let's say we have a fully enclosed and sealed up ballast. Those you generally where you, you want to put those in a place where they're going to stay cool and dry. You can put them in your stand if there's nothing in there. Um, but if you have a sump or a refugium or something in there, there's going to be a lot of moisture, a lot of humidity. There's going to be salt all over the place under there, uh, and your ballasts get hot. So having them in an enclosed area right next to where your water is isn't really a good idea. Uh, if you have a hood on your tank that can support the weight, you can place them on top of your hood. Uh, for example, my canopy actually doesn't sit on, neither of them sit on my tank. Uh, they're actually suspended from the ceiling. Uh, use, you know, my main tank is suspended using some chains. Mm-hmm. So I actually have both of my ballast sitting up there. Uh, and it's not a big deal because it can fully support the, the weight. Um, so that's not a problem. 
Uh, but generally, you can sit them on the floor next to your tank. Uh, it's a good idea to put them up on, let's let's say, like a block of wood in case you do have some sort of flooding. Uh, you don't want them right on the carpet or right on the floor where the water could get to them. Um, but you want to keep them up a little bit in, in a, a, a generally well-ventilated area. Uh, you definitely do not want to mount them. You know, if you have the smaller ones, you do not want them inside the, the light canopy. Uh, and again, if you have a, a tank or something, you know, sump or something in your stand, you don't want them in there either. Okay. Now, is there any limitations to the distance you can mount the ballast away from the light itself? Uh, that actually, the distance there is all on uh, the the cords that you have. Uh, so generally speaking, you're going to have your metal halide bulbs, and the distance you, you can go is really just as far as the the electrical cords going from your sockets to the ballast. Okay. Next question: What is the best way to ventilate your hood if it's open or closed? Open or closed. Okay. And now, just to clarify a little bit, an open hood is going to be something like mine. I don't know if, if, you know, for how many people have seen them, but, you know, as I mentioned, it is suspended up off the tank. So I have got airflow all the way around it. Now, for an opened style hood like this, um, or if you have, you know, an open area, a simple fan blowing across the water from one end to the other is usually sufficient um, if you need to do some cooling inside there. Uh, I, I should step back a little bit and you know and identify where cooling needs to happen. Um, if you have higher temperatures in your tank and the temp in your tank seems like it's climbing a little bit you know higher than it should be, uh, then then blowing some air across the surface of your water can really help with that. And this is a, a common problem when dealing with the stronger uh, metal halide bulbs or, or stronger even you know some of the the other higher mm-hmm. fluorescent bulbs that might be kicking out a lot of heat. Um, so again, if we have an open hood, just a, a little clip-on fan in the back of your hood is a great, uh, a great way to blow, you know get some air going across there and can do an amazing job to cool things off. Um, now, a closed style hood is going to be you know the kind that you're going to usually see at your store when you when you go and buy your tank. It's the one that sits right on top of the tank. It's closed on the front and the sides and the back is usually open but you'll usually have you know something that'll you know cover it up just to you know keep fish from jumping out or something. Now, mm-hmm. when you have a a canopy like that, one of the best ways to do it there is to use um they're they're commonly used as like computer case fans. Uh, a good way to do that is to uh, mount them, you know, if you can, one on each end of the hood. If you can't actually drill the holes in the in, in the hood or the canopy, then a couple on the back is a good way to do it. Now, the important thing to remember when you're using multiple fans like this is uh, if you're going to use two fans, you should have them blowing in the same direction. So one should be sucking air in while the other is sucking air out. If you're only going to use one fan, you should have it blowing air out, not blowing air into the tank, uh, you know, into the canopy. Um, now, when you do that, it's important to make sure that you have an intake somewhere within your system. So when it's blowing air out, you want to make sure that it's got some place where you can get a good feed of cooler air to come in. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's pretty explanatory. Is, you know, I think I, did I get the point across good there? Yeah, I okay, believe good. you did. Okay, the next question I know I've seen it a few times on the forums, but is it really worth having a three-stage lighting setup, meaning the daylight, actinics, and lunars? 
Or would you be okay with, say, 175-watt metal halide 15K fixture and nothing else? Okay, and this is kind of a tricky question. Um, do we need a three-stage lighting setup? I mean, is it required? No. I, 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 don't, I wouldn't say it's required by any means. Now, the, the lunar stage in this or your last stage where you know, you're using your little lunar LEDs or something like that, the little LEDs, mm-hmm. mostly is for you – know, and I'm probably going to get beat for saying this, but it's mostly for mm-hmm. aesthetics. Okay, there, there are certain things that happen with coral in nature that are dependent on lunar cycles. Okay, so when the moon is in a certain spot and shining with a certain intensity, um, certain things happen in a reef. Now, unless you're really duplicating your lunar cycles and you're varying the intensity of your lunar lights, um, the lunar lights probably aren't going to make too much of a difference. Now, there is research that is actively being done to determine the real effects, if any, that lunar lights have. But as of, you know, where we stand today, um, you know, in at the end of 2006, I have, I have yet to see anything that, you know, says that they, you know, having lunar lights does this for you. Um, you know, so that aside, from an aesthetic standpoint, lunar lights are great for observing at night because they, you, they really don't disturb uh, any of your, your, nocturnal critters that kind of come out and scurry around in the middle of the night. So it gives you an easier way to observe your tank at night. You know, the daylight bulbs, I don't think I really need to get into those because they're, you know, <laughs> okay, duh, you're going to have daylight. Um, actinic, it's a hard call on whether actinic is required. There, there's two different angles to come from. In a stage system like this, when you have daylight and actinic, they're commonly used for sunset and sun, you know, sunrise, sunset effects. Uh, so your actinics would come on at, say, 8 o'clock in the morning. Your mm-hmm. metal halides would come on at 10 o'clock in the morning. Your metal halides would turn off at, say, you know, whatever, 8 o'clock at night. And your actinics would turn off at 10 o'clock at night. So your actinics mm-hmm. are going to be on two hours before the daylight bulbs and two hours after the daylight bulbs. And it kind of gives your tank um, a time to, you know, prep up for the daylight bulbs and then a time to relax afterwards. Now, is there um, real uh, health benefits, growth benefits um, to having a day, you know, having this sunrise sunset cycle? I don't know. I honestly, I can't, I can't say for sure. Um, I know it's, it's, it's nice to have it in there. Um, one thing that I will say that I, that I have seen, you know, based on experience is when you're, when you are working and I know we're not specifically talking about metal halides here, but when you're dealing with metal halide bulbs, um, a lot of people have their metal halide bulbs burning like, you know, six, eight, nine hours. Your tank doesn't need that many hours of metal halide lighting. Okay. So when like for my, my tank, for example, my metal halide bulbs burn for about four hours, but my actinic lights run for a total of about 10 hours. There is a lot of light that your coral can gather from your actinic lights alone. Is it everything that they need? No, I don't think so. Um, but because metal halide lights are so bright and so intense, um, you're going to get a lot of light from those. I have seen some mixed reviews. You know, some people saying you need more, some people saying less. But I've seen some people that have said that they run their metal halide lights for as little as two hours a day. And then they have a mixture of supplemental lighting. So when we say actinic lighting, we're usually referring to that real blue 
deep bur- purple bluish light. Um, uh-huh. But some of the stuff that I've seen people referring to is they'll, they'll have two actinic bulbs, say T5s or VHOs, two daylight actinic, uh, two daylight VHO or T5 bulbs. Um, so that when they're on, you got a normal look in your tank and you're not looking through this black light feeling, you know, deep purple or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So you can actually see it. Because one of the catches is if you're only going to burn your metal halide balls for two hours, three hours, four hours, well, then really you only got those hours to really sit there and view your tank. And right. most people don't like that. I don't like that. I want to be able to look at it for more than, you know, a, a two-hour window out of my day. So I, I burn them for, you know, a, a little bit longer than that. But I've seen people that have done very well only burning their metal halides for a couple hours a day. And, then, you know, and, that, and it, it's good because it's going to really save on, on the life of your bulb. Um, um, is it worth having it? I think it is personally. Is it going, you know, is it worth it going to all three stages? I, I don't see why not. I think having your daylight and your actinic is important. Um, but it's, I don't think it's critical. I think it's important to have. And, uh, I think if you have the opportunity to do it, you should set it up. Um, if you have the opportunity to do lunar lights, uh, moon lights, then go for it too. Again, it's, it's hard to give a straight answer on this. If it was up to me, I would do it. I don't have moonlights currently, but I do have daylight and actinic. Um, and Actually, when I when I had my frag tank set up, I only had daylights without actinics. I had two 10K metal halide bulbs in there, and I later added uh, some actinic bulbs to it, and I noticed a big difference on my coral coloration within days of adding those bulbs on there. So uh, I, I personally, I think it's a really good thing to have them depending on your setup, and we're going to get into temperatures and actinics and stuff like that later. So um there's your 20-minute answer to your, your quick question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Uh, in a sump or refugium, how important is it to run a good light? Okay, now, first of all, let's make sure we have a clear definition of what we're talking about. In a sump, there's nothing in it. It's equipment. There is no reason to put a light on a sump. It's not going to do anything. Now, you might say, well, what if I have macroalgae in there? If you have macroalgae in there, then technically it's not a sump anymore. It's a refugium. Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if you have a sump and you throw macroalgae in there, it technically now can be classified as a refugium. So when we're talking about refugiums, um, it's depending on the type that you're setting up, it, it can be important to have light on there. Uh, and before we get into this, I'm not going to go in real in-depth in and I'm going to highlight it. For more information, um, re- check out the Refugium episode, which is podcast episode 54, where we go into this in a lot more details. So the quick answer, if I can do such a thing, <laughs> um, <laughs> the quick answer is if you are growing macroalgae or mangroves or anything that need to respond with photosynthesis, you need to have lighting in there. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be you know, super expensive lighting. Um, and the temperature that you want to go at for the bulb, if you're growing macroalgae in there, is actually about 65K. Uh, so, you know, 6,500 Kelvin. Uh, that's the temperature that uh, that plants and algae seem to respond best to. So when your macroalgae is growing 6,500, that's where you want to shoot for. So if you're doing a dark refugium that we've talked about on the show, I think we've talked about that before. I know we've talked about it on the forums. Uh, then obviously it's mm-hmm. dark and you don't 
light it or it wouldn't be dark. <laughs> so, right. um, so in short, yes, refugium, if it's needed, uh, you should light it. Does it have to be a good light? Not necessarily. Uh, most people use little cheap Home Depot Lights of America fixtures or, you know, anything like that. Um, right. As long as you stay fluorescent. You don't want to do incandescent just because they're too hot. Um, right. But uh, does that answer? You think that covers it good? Yeah. Okay, good. Next question. Is there such thing as too much light? Are there any guidelines that we should go by? Now, this is a question that when I first started, um, I had a lot of people that, that had just said, you know what? Put as much light in there as you can afford. If you got the money for it, pack it full of light because we can never get to as much light as um, what's given off by the sun. The amount of light that a natural reef gets, you just can't duplicate it. And I'm sorry, but it's not true. Um, I, 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 you know, like I said, when I started in the hobby, that's what I was told. And as I started to do things, I started to question this. Is this really the case? Well, I never really had a setup where I could really test it. And I wasn't about to go out and spend another five, $600 to double the amount of lighting just to see what would happen. Um, but what I have done recently uh, is the setup of my frag tank. Uh, in which it's a it's a 50 gallon breeder tank, so it's it's not very tall. It's uh, it's a little bit deeper. I think it's only about uh, 16 or inches, 18 inches high. I don't really remember. Um, but essentially, I've got two 250 watt metal halide bulbs, uh, 10k, burning over top of that. And when I burn them both at the same time, my corals do not like that. Now. Mind you, these are frags that came out of my display tank, which is using two 250-watt 10K metal halide bulbs. But going into this smaller tank um, with the bulbs a little bit closer, not a huge deal closer, um, but they're – well, actually, when you when you work in the size of the tank and everything like that, um, it's too much light. It's too intense for them. They started lightening up in color uh, and stuff like that. What, what happened is I – stopped burning both of them, and I alternated them. Um, either one day I would burn the right side, the next day I'd burn the left side. Or if I thought about it, you know, when I was down here, you know, working and stuff like that, I would flip them. So after a couple hours of my, my metal halide photo period, I would turn one of them off and turn the other one on. And within a week and a half, two weeks of doing that, I noticed a lot of the color come back in the corals. Now, it wasn't drastic. I mean, we know... Nothing good happens fast when you know mm-hmm. when we're working in our tank. So the color it wasn't like a night and day change, um, but I did notice that after putting these corals into this tank, the colors faded out. They didn't bleach; they just got lighter. And when I cut back on that total amount of light, they got a little bit more color back in them. Now, when talking to other people, um, I know I've had this conversation with Brian Plankus a few times. Uh, they're they're to get back to the main point of the question, there is a such thing as there is a such thing as too much light. You don't want to just drill your tank with light. I mean, if you're sitting here with a 30 gallon tank, you don't want to put two 250 watt metal halide bulbs over top of it. You know, if you got a 50 gallon tank, if it's shallow, you know, you don't want to put that much light. You don't want two 250 watts or 400 watts of metal halides over them. So you need to kind of sit back and look at what you have, what you're going to be growing uh, inside there, what you're going to be keeping inside there, and plan your light accordingly. 
you know, 150 watt bulbs are usually sufficient for anything up to um, 100. Uh, I'm sorry, 150 watts are usually good for up to 18 inches. Um, as you go beyond 18 inches, you may or may not have the amount of intensity that you need at the bottom of the tank. You can go up to 175 if you need to. Um, as you get closer to 24, you know, as to, as you get closer to 20 inches, and you you want to look at your uh, your 250 watt bulbs and so on. Uh, but we'll get into that more with metal halide lighting, of course. Um, so much for being general here. <laughs> um, so to answer the question, is there such thing as is there a such thing as too much light? Yes. Um, and as far as the guidelines, I think we'll probably, you know, what I haven't discussed already, we'll get into more when we talk about the metal halide bulbs and, and the fluorescent bulbs. Um, does the type of tank have any effect to the lighting? Um, you know, this is this is a good question. And um, we, we just so everybody knows, we almost didn't keep this question in here. Uh, but it, after thinking about it for a little bit and remembering back with the interview that I did uh, with Brian Plankus, he did an, uh, an article in the October 2006 edition of the Reef Keeping Magazine. He did that that article where he was testing different types of light and what types of things affected light. One of the things that he called out uh, was that his tank has these um, center braces in them. Now, in this case, they were clear glass or acrylic or something like that. And if they were the you know the degree of dirtiness i guess you could say had a drastic effect on how much light actually got into the tank um, so when we talk about the type of tank you have uh it does matter depending on the top style of your tank if you have an acrylic tank uh, one of those european brace style acrylic tanks that might have uh essentially two little portholes mm-hmm. on either side to work in your tank or for the smaller tank it might have just a one porthole but those usually have large braces that go all the way around, like a, they border the top of the tank, and you know they'll have like a brace in the middle, uh, type thing. And if these get dirty, they can really have an effect on the amount of light that gets into the tank. Now I know you're gonna love this next question. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> How often do we need to change our balls? Every day. <laughs> no, you know this is. I almost don't even want to answer this question because there's so many different answers. I mean, I've heard, you know, power compact bulbs. I've heard you replace them every six months. I've heard you replace them every year. Personally, I replace mine about 10 months. Uh, but my power compact bulbs are also in um, my brood, my clownfish broodstock tank where I've, I've got a couple soft coral in there just because they're there. Um mm. You know, and the last time I think, you know, I think they went to like 13 months and one of the bulbs blew out. You know, it's, you know, I'm not, the goal in there is not raising the coral. I don't have a, um, you know, a meter to actually test these. Um, Generally speaking, you know, power compact bulbs, I would say eight to 10 months. T5s, VHOs, probably about the same. Um, I'm new to T5s, so I can't say with experience. My VHOs, um, you know, usually I, I've just been replacing them with my metal halides. And for my metal halides, I do um, 12, um, usually about 12 to 13 months. 
Although I do plan on extending that because uh, for a, most of this year, I've actually reduced my photo period from eight hours to about five hours. Uh, so it to me, it makes sense that if I'm cutting that much off my photo period that I can um, shorten or I can extend the, the life of the bulb. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit longer on, on my metal halide bulbs, probably up to, um, you know, 14 or 16 months. I'm not exactly sure yet. I kind of, kind of keep, keep an eye on things and see how it looks in there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, the best answer that I could give you is to, to go with the manufacturer's recommendation on, on replacement. Uh, because I can't tell you, I I don't have the equipment to measure this and tell you for sure. I also know that there's there can be some variance from one manufacturer to another. So um, anything that I say, including what I've said, is is pretty much a guess and or opinion and should not be taken as gospel. So please do not quote me on that. That's just kind of <laughs> what I've I've been following in the past. So um, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you for asking okay. that question. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on the use of Xeon lights as an econ- economical option in reef keeping? What are Xeon lights? I was hoping you knew. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I saw the question come up uh, in the forums in the list, and I wanted to get the question in here just because I didn't want to let it go, but I have to tell you, I don't know anything about them. Um, I... Honestly, haven't had time to do the research on them before uh, we recorded the show. Uh, so, unfortunately, uh, I think it was Dwayne who asked the question. Uh, unfortunately, I have I got nothing. I got nothing. Um, <laughs> if if you are out there listening to the show right now and you know what Xeon lights are and um, what role they play as an economical option in reef keeping, please get a hold of me. I'd love to have a, you know a couple paragraph description or a brief recording. You can you can call into the voicemail lines or the comment lines and leave a couple minute message on what they are. That would be perfect because uh, I think it's it's important. I I don't know anything about them, so I can't say you know you know how valid of an option it really is. Um, but if it is something that is valid, then um, you know I'd like to hear some people's thoughts on it. So comment line voicemail line call in let me know what you know about these i can collect them all and we can put them on on one of the the follow-up shows so with that being said i'm done with Xeon lights <laughs> <laughs> okay um what about natural sunlight such as solar tubes solar tubes now this is a good thing to to uh to bring up a natural sunlight can be used um and it is a, a good thing that a lot of people can use. Now, the thing to remember is unless you live in like Hawaii or something or, you know, in a tropical region, the chances of you using this as the, your primary light source, slim to none. Um, this is something that uh, can be used as a supplemental lighting source, something to add or in addition to your lights. So let's say you wanted to do a full-blown you know, reef tank, lots of stony corals, high light corals, and you had T5 bulbs. You could definitely uh, supplement your T5 bulbs with with these solar tubes. Now, just to kind of give a little bit of a description of what these are, um, picture cutting a big circular hole from the roof of your house to your ceiling above your tank. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now on the roof, there's going to be a, a like a little bubble. It's a dome bubble, and it's used to collect light from all angles, and it, it focuses it all into this tube. Now these tubes do not have to be straight; they can be angled, bent, whatever. Uh, and the reason is they're generally coated inside with a, a highly reflective material. Uh, so, you know, when you're when the light comes in, it reflects off of everything, and it really gets focused down there, and it, it produces some pretty intense lighting in there. Um, but because of most people in the higher latitudes, uh, or in other words, that aren't in a tropical region, you don't have the amount of sunlight per hour, per day, and it's not at a strong enough intensity, uh, generally speaking, to be your primary source of light. Uh, mm-hmm. So as an option, yes, but I think it's a, a secondary option. Um, I think most people should not look at it as a primary lighting source, um, just because I don't know that we can, that it's, you know, for people in the higher latitude, I don't know if it's it's exactly the best way to do it. So that's my two cents on it, and I will shut up now. <laughs> um, next question. What effects do normal room lighting have on a tank when the tank lights are off? Personally, I think they have little effect on it, uh, uh, you know, at night. So what we're talking about here is, you know, you have your fish tank in your living room, and it's, you know, 11 o'clock at night on a Friday night, you've got some people over. You don't want to turn all the lights off in your living room just because the lights in your tank are off. Uh, so you have your TV on and you have your, you know, a couple lamps on or something like that. Personally, I don't think it's a huge deal. And if you do this every night, all night, all the time, you could have, you know, some minor negative effects. Um, through observation, I've noticed that when I leave the light on in my, ba- my, my tanks in my basement, and if I leave mm-hmm. the lights on in my basement, um, most of the stuff still comes out at night. I still see um, my brittle stars or my serpent stars come out, which usually only come out at night. I still see the little mice's shrimp and uh, my peppermint shrimp. My peppermint shrimp never come out when the lights are on in my tank, but I do see them out uh, when the tank lights are off, but the room light is on. Now, there are some critters that may not come out with that ambient light on, um, you know, but a majority of the stuff will. So in short, you know, it, if it's a couple hours here and there, don't worry about it. Um, just, you know, don't make a habit out of it. I mean, don't leave your lights on all the time, every day, all night. So uh, it really shouldn't be that big of a deal. I, I wouldn't get overly concerned with it. When buying a light, new or used, what are some things we should look out for? Okay. Now there's a couple things that we should probably pay attention to here. So let's start off with buying lights that are new. You want to buy from a respectable, you know, reseller, dealer, whatever. When you, when you're shopping online, uh, make sure you stay with reputable brands, do a little bit of research on what you're getting. You really, to a certain degree, you really are getting what you're paying for. So if you're out there, trying to find, you know, this hot internet deal on, you know, a metal halide fixture, you know, keep in mind you're you're going to get what you're paying for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of them are cheap and some of them are good, but there's a couple other things that we need to keep in mind besides just the quality of the bulbs. We need to keep in mind um, customer service in case you have a problem. 
You also need to keep in mind their return policy and how well they respect that in case you have a physical problem with, with some of that. You know, you get a bulb in that's broke or you get a fixture, a ballast in that just won't fire your bulbs. I mean, these are important things, especially when you when you consider that lighting is one of the most expensive and, and our highest investments that you're going to make in your system. So make sure that you go to a reputable dealer. Uh, make sure that you get opinions, thoughts. Uh, from other people, you know, talk to some people that have bought from them before if you can. Uh, this is something that forums are great for um, if you take the information with a grain of salt. So you kind of go to forums, uh, look at their sponsors. You'll usually see, they'll usually have reviews sections also, um, you know, people that'll give, you know, a response or thoughts on, on certain uh, stores. So look through all those. Uh, if you see something that's bad, you know, look at the situation and step back and really look at it. I mean, because it, you know, somebody might just be really frustrated because of a bad situation and it might not necessarily be the, you know, the dealer's fault. I mean, UPS sent their package to the wrong house and it took the poor guy three <laughs> weeks to get his bulbs that he was supposed to get in a week. You know, okay, mm-hmm. it wasn't the dealer's fault. It, it's It was a shipping problem. So, you know, keep those things in mind. Now, when you're talking about used bulbs, um, used equipment, used fixtures, same thing here. Just be careful of where you're going from. Um, understand why the person is selling them. Um, you know, if this is on eBay or on a forum, just kind of look through some of that person's past history. I mean, if you see that this person is selling this type of stuff all the time, why? You know, if they're, you know, and there might be a very good reason to it, um, you know, but make sure they're not you know, buying other people's used equipment and reselling it to you, you know, that's, I mean, that can be okay, but you just really, just try to get a feel of what's going on. You know, you don't want, you want to protect yourself from getting ripped off because when you're buying used equipment, there's usually no return policy. I mean, if you buy something and it's busted, sorry about your luck. Um, So you want to make sure that all of your equipment works. Um, If you're going to go over to somebody's house and pick this up, may, you know, that's usually the way I'd, recommend doing it because then you can say okay you know what please turn these bulbs on i'd like to see them fire i want to see to make sure the ballast works all the cables uh, the electrical cords work stuff like that mm-hmm. the next thing to keep in mind is whether they're fluorescent bulbs or metal halide bulbs plan on replacing the bulbs plan put that into your your budget so if you're going to get a t5 fixture for 50 dollars, budget for you know 80, 90, 100 dollars because depending on how many bulbs, expect that you need to replace those bulbs. Personally, mm-hmm. even if the pre- previous owner says, "You know what? I've only been using the bulbs for two months," everybody exaggerates. You know, it's not. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to come out and say people that are selling stuff are bad, but you don't know. You know, they could be the most honest person in the world, and they could tell you, "You know, these been bulbs have been burning for two hundred and five hours," and that could be dead on accurate. Or they mm-hmm. could have said. They've, I've only had them for two months, and they've had them for six. The main point is you don't know when to replace them. You know, so if they say two months, maybe they're right, maybe they're not. The safest thing and the best thing is to re- just replace them. And you can always keep those bulbs as spares in case one breaks. You know, you just kind of got yourself a, a backup set. So those those are that's my advice when you're looking to buy equipment new or used. Okay, next question. What type of light do you feel is the best for a mixed reef? Okay. Now, 
this is this is I, I can't answer this question, but I'm gonna tell you why. Just using a term, um, you know, what's best for my tank? It's a mixed reef tank. I've got some soft corals, I've got some LPS corals, uh, but I'm thinking about doing some, you know, some SPS corals in the future. Y- you can't answer it with just that. And this is one of the reasons, you know, and that's that's very common. You go into a forum, you know, in fact, go to the Talking Reef website, go into the forums. I bet you you're going to see a post in there that says, I've got a reef, I've got a reef tank with some softies and some LPS. What type of lighting do I need? Now, it's no no fault of the person asking the question, but that, and that's what we're here for is to help educate people. Saying that it's an LPS coral tells me nothing about the lighting needs. It doesn't mean that they're medium lighting corals. So, you know, the whole soft corals, low light, LPS, medium light, SPS, high light. That doesn't, that's not true. That holds no weight. Mm-hmm. There's zero truth in that. Um, an SPS coral may not need a lot of light. In fact, I have some that don't need a lot of light. An LPS coral may not need a lot of light. It may need a lot of light. You know, there's a lot of soft coral that don't need any light at all. So really what you need to do here is look at what you have in your tank and what you're planning on keeping. This is the most important thing uh, when you're doing your lighting. Lighting is a huge investment. Um, Do it right the first time. Spend a little bit extra. Get what you need. You know, a lot of people will say, well, I just want to start off with some soft corals now and maybe work to some LPS in the future, but ultimately I want to have a lot of SPS corals. Um, again, everybody knows I, 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 I do not like the terms LPS and SPS, but I'm using them just for so people understand what I'm talking about here. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the, that, that's not the way to go about your tank. Um, it's it's really it's really not, and I know that's the way that people usually say. It. And I know we're getting off topic here, but <laughs> it's my show, and I can do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait a minute, it's your show this week, okay? Um, anyways, <laughs> you really need to plan out what you're going to do, and you don't have to do soft corals before you do stony corals. You can go out and get a brain coral. You know, you don't have to build up to it. One of the things that you have to do is your tank has to mature properly, and you have to get a certain amount of experience under your belt. Um, a lot of what we call tank maturity is really hobbyist maturity also. Hmm. So, you know, when we say give it six months before you get those stony corals, it's more like give yourself six months before you try to do it because there's a lot of things that you need to learn by experience. Mm-hmm. So. Now, where am I going with this ramble here? Plan for what you want to have ultimately when all is said and done. And if that is to just have some soft coral and some of the, you know, lower light or medium light um, stony corals, then by all means, buy lights that suit that. Some power compacts, a couple T5 bulbs, you're good to go. You know, then that's all you need to do. But if in the next eight months you plan on ultimately getting to some highlight corals, you want to keep some clams, you know, so on and so forth, then don't waste your money buying power compacts now. Um, get what you need, you know. Now, if you want to start off with, you know, let's say I want to start off with a, a T5 fixture that I could use later as my supplemental actinic fixture, then that's fine. 
what I'm getting at is just make sure that you plan properly and know what you're going to do with it. Don't double invest. It's do it right the first time. It will be cheaper in the long run. And I'll quit my rant there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you could build the ultimate light setup, what type of lights and ideas would you use? Oh, <laughs> well, if money was no object, <laughs> I would move to f- Hawaii and no, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a tough question. I mean, I think I've got a pretty good light lighting setup right now. Um, I think that the ultimate lighting setup, although I can't say from firsthand experience, I would really, really love to try out, you know, one of these computerized LED fixtures. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, yes, I know that they're cooler and they're more energy efficient and they're going to cost me less to run, but that's all icing on the cake for me. Um, what what I find so fascinating and so awesome about them is it's the one fixture that does everything you need. It does your primary lighting, your actinic or secondary lighting, and it can even do your moonlights all in one fixture. The other thing is they are, they are computerized. So they can you can set them to natural lighting cycles you can have them build up your sunrise lighting into your daylight lighting build down your sunset turn on your moonlights with actual real moon phases so the intensity mm-hmm. changes from night to night um you can even build in um cloud patterns so they <laughs> dim you know certain parts will dim on and off or the intensity of the fixtures will will change throughout the course of the day um i i mean is it going to make my tank healthier i don't know you know i personally probably not i mean people are very successful keeping tanks with just standard you know lighting that we use today um but mm-hmm. it might actually play a role as you know research goes in in coral spawning and stuff like that uh but i i personally i think it's geeky as is all hell and i'd really like to have it <laughs> so <laughs> Um, yeah, if anybody's got, um, you know, about $3,000 and wants to buy me one of the, the LED, uh, 48 inch LED hood, let me know and I'll give you my address and you can mail it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but because I don't expect that to happen, I probably won't have an LED hood until the prices come down because they are outrageously expensive right now. Um, and I know, you know, LEDs are something that I did not cover on the series and they are, they're very new and, um, I might try to get somebody that can help me cover those in the future. Um, but, uh, right now I haven't been able to get into them, but yeah, I think that, uh, I think that covers my ultimate lighting setup. <laughs> What's your ultimate lighting setup? Uh, just metal halides now <laughs> switching from metal halide to, to from power compacts. Oh, so yeah, you're entering a whole new world now. And I love it so far. Yeah. It's, it's night and day. It's great. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, I think that's probably the the end of our lighting Q and A. Uh, we don't have anything else, do we? Uh, no. Any other follow up questions that you wanted to throw in before we wrap up? Um, no, not that I can think of. Awesome. Well, Wes, I wanted to uh, thank you for taking the time and helping host this show and. Uh, running through the questions with me. Uh, we have a lot more questions for everybody. Uh, we didn't even really touch the metal halide and fluorescent questions. So next week, we are going to have lighting Q&A part two, where we're going to go through more specific questions with uh, metal halides and fluorescence, as I've said three times now. Um, so 
that's going to do it. Uh, we're going to wrap up this segment. And at this point, we're going to move on to the community update section of this show. So, uh, Wes, thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll talk thanks to you next me. week. All right. Thank you. Again, special thanks to Wes for joining and helping out on this show. Um, I want to kind of wrap things up pretty quick because this show's kind of put, getting a little long. Uh, that being said, I had a voicemail that came in, and I wanted to get that played real quick for you. Hey, Rob, this is Estrivian, uh, or Samuel. I just had a question for you. Um, listening to your, your series on lighting, and I was wondering what exactly is the difference between HQI and the single-ended bulbs, is there a reason that one would choose one over the other, or does it really not matter? Astrivian, my good friend, just to let you know, I wanted to get that played for you, let you know that I got it, and to let you know that your question will be answered on next week's Q&A show. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing follow-up Q&A regarding fluorescence and metal halide bulbs. So stay tuned. That is one of the specific questions that is going to get answered. All that being said, let's wrap up this show. Um, like I said, I, I really kind of want to get things going pretty quick. Uh, one quick thing I wanted to mention. Uh, last week I had mentioned the trip that I was going to be making to Atlanta. It looks like at this point that's going to be canceled. So uh, unfortunately some things came up and it doesn't look like it's going to be possible. Uh, however, uh, I know I'm going to be in Atlanta for Saltwater U when that comes around in May. Uh, I'm still waiting to get the details from uh, the people putting that on, uh, but I do plan on being out there then. So uh, until then, uh, there's no immediate plans for Atlanta, unfortunately. Okay, so let's go ahead and wrap things up. Questions, comments, concerns, as usual. If you have, uh, you can use the comment box that's on the website, the little blue box on the left hand side. You can call in using Skype at screen name Talking Reef and leave a voicemail there. Or you can call in using your telephone, area code 586 486 3357. And you can leave me a voicemail there. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Again, special thanks to Wes. And I will talk to you next week with Q&A lighting show number two.